handprints of, of their ministry and their, their life in the life of Sister Buford and I. And uh, I probably should have given Sister Buford an opportunity. But uh, you hear a lot from Brother Jordan. And he's going to preach here in a moment. But I want Sister Jordan to come and I want her to, to speak. Uh, the Sister Jordan, the, 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 she might not say a whole lot. and I mean, she, I guess, maybe yelled at me a time or two, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, every once in a while I'd kind of, we'd get to spending money left and right and dreaming great big old dreams, and she was the one that had to handle the books, and she'd say, now, wait a second, I don't know that we can afford the dreams that you have. And, but I was amazed to watch her as a pastor's wife and I watched her as she spoke into my, my wife Sister Buford's life and ours and I want you to come and I want you to uh, greet this congregation well what a joy it has been to be here this weekend I, am, I feel so privileged and blessed now you might have been blessed from Brother Jordan but I have been blessed just to be here and feel your spirit and to see what God is doing in these kids' lives. Yes, they are kids to us, and they were just like our kids when they were in Toledo. And someone kind of said the same thing tonight. Sometimes you don't see what's happening right then, but when you look back, you see how blessed you were. And I feel that way to know that the Bufords were with us for those four years. She was, they both were servants, but she was especially a servant to me. She cleaned my house, and she made us dinners. And I remember one time, I was down on my back, and I could not do anything. She came over to the house, made us dinner, and then she washed my hair for me because I had to go in the hospital. She was a true servant. Thank you, Sister Buford. Thank you, Brother Buford. And I just want you to know that I love them dearly, and I am thrilled to see you started out with nine people. You had 149 last week. I am thrilled to see what God is doing here at Lighthouse. God bless you all, and thank you, brother and sister Buford, for inviting us here. It's been a blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Jordan, as you... Those of you that, that were able to be with him Thursday and then some Friday, you, Brother Jordan is a prolific writer, and, and many of his sermons and, and lessons find their way into being more, even more fleshed out and becoming books. And on the table back there, he has several of his books. Uh, all of them are $10 a piece, except for his newest book, which is Alternate Endings. And uh, that book is $15. And I promise you, just, just take a moment. Open a book, thumb through it, and, and you're going you're gonna to be blessed by it. Uh, two of the books are novels. The rest of the books are books that will help you whether you uh, are, are a, a minister or whether you just want to be better volunteering at church or whether you just want to allow God to, to grow your life spiritually. You need to take a, a look at that. And, and they're there. But Brother Jordan, we want you to come. And uh, as I said uh, before all of this, I believe that God is about to move. And I hope you're ready to hear the word of God and to hear what God is going to do. Why don't you just lift your hands one more time as Brother Jordan comes. And why don't we ask the Lord to open our hearts, our minds, and our ears in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, God is good. And um, I appreciate uh, the time that was uh, allotted tonight to welcome your new assistant pastor 
it's always good to uh, to give uh, recognition and acknowledgement to those who labor among us. It is a, a sacrifice, and I know especially if you have to move a long distance and relocate, uh, I know what that's all about. And uh, it's it's more than meets the eye. But thank God that there are those who still answer the call of God and do what he wants them to do. Uh, we want to say also thank you very much to this church and to Brother Sister Buford for the hospitality that uh, they've extended to us while we've been here. Uh, in fact, but I, maybe I, I shouldn't uh, be negative, but uh, really, Brother Buford, you, you overdid it by taking us to the brass rail today. Uh, I ate w way too much of the uh, barbecued ribs and uh, French fries and uh, what were the smoked, uh, smoked wings. Uh, I should be ashamed of myself, but you know, when you're in the midst of all that temptation, you just have to, it's only one thing you can do and that's yield. <laughs> uh, but uh, thank you also for the nice basket. They gave us a huge basket filled with all kinds of goodies and uh, we've been, uh, uh, feasting on that as well this week and uh, for the uh, beautiful room that they provided for us to stay in uh, while we've been here everything has been wonderful praise God and uh, it's nice also to see Zane and Zoe and uh, Zeke although Zeke's favorite word is no <laughs> so anytime I reached out to take him he always shook his head no he didn't want that but um He'll, he'll learn one of these days that uh, it's not all that bad uh, because I have candy to give. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Uh, thank God for the, for the singing uh, of this praise team tonight. Uh, you are blessed to have people to uh, sing who are anointed and who are not singing just to uh, perform but they're singing because they want to lead you in worship. And uh, you need to be very, very grateful for that. Thank God for his amazing grace. Amazing grace. Um, sometimes we apostolics are a little bit uh, hesitant to talk so much about the grace of God because we think that's uh, the Baptist uh, candy stick. That's what they talk about, that we're saved by grace and uh, that alone. Uh, but the, the Baptists don't have the corner on that market of grace. Uh, in fact, uh, we actually believe the grace of God is the reason why we are saved. Let me tell you something. You do not repent of your sins in order to get the grace of God. It's the grace of God that allows you to repent of your sins. The, the, the grace of God is not purchased by baptism in Jesus' name. We are allowed to be baptized in Jesus' name by the grace of God. It is not, the grace of God is not something that you get after you receive the Holy Ghost. It is the grace of God that allows you to receive the Holy Ghost. So if anybody believes in the grace of God, the apostolic church, the apostolic group, we believe it more than anything or any other group because we would not be anywhere uh, within a million miles of God if it were not for his grace. But his grace teaches us, teaching us 
that denying worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So the grace of God is a vital part of our doctrine, and don't ever forget it. Praise God. Well, I am not a long-winded preacher. Uh, at least I never intend to be. And I know that uh, there's uh, some festivities that go, go on downstairs. And I know that, that uh, that's not what's uppermost in your mind tonight. You want to hear the word of the Lord. But I just wanted to set some mind at ease in case that is uh, a, a source of angst for you tonight. I'm, I'm not going to uh, trouble you. But I do want to bring to you the word of the Lord uh, as God has given it to me tonight. And I want to direct your attention to the book of Daniel, chapter 3, and beginning with verse 13. Daniel chapter 3, verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, and the flute, the harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? God was about to answer that question. If you search the scriptures, you will not find very many that will compare to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in devotion, in fervor, in dedication to God. They were kidnapped from Jerusalem and they were transported about 500 miles, which in those days was a, a huge distance, to Babylon. They were forced into slavery. They had an identity change imposed upon them and undoubtedly they suffered physical mutilation. If, if God issued report cards they would have aced every subject. These three modeled love for God in every respect of their lives. But now, they faced the worst crisis that one could imagine. Upon penalty of death, being thrown into a raging, fiery furnace, they were commanded to bow down to the king's golden image. One simple act of obedience could have spared them from this barbaric Babylonian torture. But you know the story. They wouldn't bow and they wouldn't bend and they wouldn't break. With, with such a display of courage, you would think that God would have come to their rescue like a lightning bolt. You, you would have listened for the, the trumpet fanfare and the drum roll of heaven as the, as the mighty hand of God arced through the sky and snatched Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the clutches of that evil Nebuchadnezzar. You would have thought that. 
But in fact, nothing happened. Nothing. When they made their heroic stand, it was as if God totally and completely ignored them. There was no sign from heaven. There was no divine encouragement. There was no inkling that God even knew what was going on for his own namesake in Babel. And it seemed that God had let them down. And so I want to preach to you tonight on what to do when God lets you down. What to do when God lets you down. Because you know the feeling. Every one of you, if you've served God for any length of time at all, you've been there. After your best Christian performance, your best display of spirituality, the time when you scored a, a huge victory over the world or the flesh or the devil, nothing happened. Maybe you gave a sacrificial offering you had saved up for a long time and it hurt you to do it. But you gave it thinking that God would notice and bless you just a little bit. But nothing happened. Maybe you take, took a day off of work to take care of someone who was in a desperate situation. Maybe you sat all day by someone's bedside in the hospital not only did you not get any special credit, things actually seem to get worse in your life. I've noticed many, many times that when people do what's right, that the first thing that will happen is something negative. Something that will happen to them that they feel as though all of that was in vain. In fact, David wrote quite a number of psalms about this in one psalm, he said, How long will you forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel of my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemy say, says I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. He could relate to us, and we can relate to him. We've all cried, where is God when I need him the most? You, you cried this when your body was racked with pain, did you not? You cried this when you lost your job. You cried this when your children did something really stupid. You cried this from the depths of your depression. God, are you even listening? And then this little, this little nagging thought comes, are you even there? Are you even real? I read about the disciples of Jesus who were outraged at the master. The storm was uh, over the top. The waves were crashing and the boat was about to capsize. And they said, Master, don't you care that we are about to die? Fact is that we've let God down many times, but he never lets us down. That's the real fact of the matter. Just when we think 
that Jesus is sleeping through our storm, through our nightmare. He wakes up and he steps to the bow of the boat and he says, peace, be still. There's no victory, however, without the stage being set for defeat. There's no miracle without our lives getting maneuvered unwittingly perhaps and unexpectedly and unintentionally into a situation in which a miracle is needed. But the scripture says in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, you can't get to the hearing of heaven and you can't get to the forgiving of sins and you can't get to the healing of the land without first humbling yourself and praying and seeking God's face and turning from your wicked ways. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't go into their trial confused. They didn't go in in doubt. They didn't go in wavering and casting about for an answer. They entered the what I would call no return zone with made up minds, with fully committed hearts and with no plans to turn back. And so here are three keys that these three Hebrew uh, young men, I used to call them children, but... Some of the children wanted to know how old they were, so I think I have to call them young men. There are three keys that they used that guaranteed victory for them. And so if, if you would allow me uh, the liberty to parse these out so that I can uh, credit each one of these men with a part of this solution, then, I, then I've ascribed a part of this reply to each of them. First of all, there's the Shadrach key. The Shadrach key is found in Daniel 3.16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Do you know what this means? It means that they didn't have to have a conference among themselves to hammer out a response. They didn't have to run it by the, the PR department to say, would this be the right thing to say? They didn't have to go into a long session of wrangling back and forth and trying to feel what what should we do but instead they 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 said we have an answer we don't have to answer you carefully we don't have to even think second thought about what we are going to say we're not going to ask what am I going to do about being a Hebrew today or where do I belong today they had a ready answer and so here's the the Shadrach key, serve God with reckless abandon. Serve God with reckless abandon. You know, if we ever needed strong and bold and committed Christians, we need them today. Hallelujah. This is not a day for weakness. I know the scripture says as we sang and as your pastor exhorted that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. It doesn't say as he said, no weapon shall not 
ding us and shall not hurt us and shall not cause us some discomfort, I submit to you that some of the weapons that the devil uses are weapons that get their way inside of your mind, of your family. It gets inside of your body. There are things that happen to us that, that do not come from God, but there is a comfort in the scripture which says that that weapon will not prosper. Amen. It might look like it's gaining the upper hand for a while, but it will not prosper. Prosper means to grow and eventually overcome and overthrow. No, but the Bible does say that we've got some weapons too. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Amen. I don't care what, what the weapons the devil has. God has given us weapons that are far superior to him and that will lead us to ultimate victory. But today, timid and weak and vacillating and spineless commitments to God will never work. Some time ago, I saw the video clip of uh, Lee Stone King as he, as he spoke to the general session of the United Nations. I was so uh, thankful for him and for his willingness to stand up in front of those who were uh, who were Muslim, those who were Hindu, those who were of uh, every other religion, and and then many I'm sure who were atheistic, and he proclaimed, "Repent and be baptized in the name of you for the remission of your sins in the name of Jesus Christ, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost." I believe that God used him in his boldness to preach a message to an entire world. But you see, God is not the one on the spot here. God has nothing to prove. God is not trying to measure up to our expectations. God wants us to let go of our hang-ups, of our security blankets, and of our escape routes, and all of our excuse-me's. He wants us to let go completely. Someone said many years ago, when I was a boy, I heard this, and it seemed like a homely bit of advice. But they said, if you serve God easy, it's hard. But if you serve God hard, it's easy. The only way to do this, my friend, you cannot stay on the edges. You can't live in the margins. You can't say, well, I'll just try this out. No, you've got to jump all the way in. You've got to dive in the deep water, and you say, God, I'm trusting you completely with my life, with my future, with my family with my reputation, everything I am giving it to you. This is the time for that kind of commitment. That's the Shadrach key. Then there's the Meshach key. Verse 17. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Here's the Meshach key. Never doubt that God is able. Never doubt that God is able. If we should have any watchword or any slogan to guide us, it ought to be God 
can. God can. Wherever you are in life and whatever you're facing, whatever happens to you in your as you go through your daily life, you need to remember this. God can. God can heal any disease. God can defeat any enemy. God can deliver from any oppression. God can answer any prayer. God can withstand any attack. God can drive out any devil. Because there are some of you tonight perhaps that may be letting your circumstances speak to you instead of the other way around. What did Jesus say? He said, speak to the mountain and say, mountain be removed and cast into the sea. It was a Jewish idiom. That was, it really had nothing to do with a mountain, uh, physical uh, uh, pile of rocks, but it had to do with something that seemed to be insurmountable in your own life. You speak to that and say, be cast into the sea. You need, some people are allowing the mountain speak to them instead of them speaking to the mountain. Your mountain may be speaking to you today and saying, you'll never defeat me. You can't overcome me. I am your worst enemy and I have you by the throat. I've got you by the juggler and you're never gonna do what you think your God is going, has called you to do my friend it's time for you to turn around and speak to your mountain and say you are not going to dictate to me you're not going to tell me the parameters of the problem you're not going to be the arbiter of my destiny Job said behold God is mighty and despiseth not any and he is mighty in strength and in wisdom God can, God can, praise God. Now here's the core of the Hebrew attitude. This is where the victory is really won or lost. And that's this little question. What if it doesn't happen? What if God doesn't come through for you? What if you've done everything right and you still get either no response or a negative response from God? That's where many Christians are hung up. That's where many say, and, and sometimes we listen to the secular world and all of the naysayers and the philosophers of the world in which we live that don't believe in God or are agnostic and, and they say, you know, it, maybe he's out there or maybe he's not, but you, you can't even depend on that. You have to kind of work out yourself and your own problems by yourself and with all the wisdom that you can get and the counselors you can get from around you. And so the question then that nags us, we say all of these things, but what if it doesn't happen? We say God can heal, but what if he doesn't? We say God can deliver, but what if he doesn't? Here's the Abednego key. Verse 18. But if not. These are all the things that we believe will happen and can happen. But you're pushing us into a corner. And you're asking us... Uh, uh, really to go to the very core of our existence. And so we'll be honest with you. If all we're saying isn't ha going to happen, if not, then we want to serve notice to you, King. 
We will not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Even if our God doesn't come through for us, he's got a bigger plan and we're not gonna question his plan, but you, we want you to know this. We will not serve your gods. And so the third key is this. Do the right thing regardless of the outcome. Do the right thing regardless of the outcome. Meshach or Abednego rather did not say if not then well if it doesn't happen we're coming over to your side if our God lets us down we are defecting to the enemy no Abednego acted on principle and not on the consequences of his decision. You see, if we try to fashion our doctrine or our beliefs according to this world or our circle of friends or according even to our family, then we subject our righteousness to convenience. But I'm gonna tell you something. If the oneness of God is right, then we need to believe it. If baptism in Jesus' name is right, then we need to obey it. If the birth of the Spirit is right, then we need to receive it. If sacrificial living is right, then we need to do it. If following after holiness is right, then we need to live it. The question is never, will God let me down? But it is, will I let God down? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God did not let Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego down. Deliverance came to them, but it didn't come when they thought and the way they thought it would come. It didn't happen the way that they perhaps envisioned that it would happen. You see, if the story stopped right here, you might think that these Hebrew young men were just stubborn believers. They were just foolish. And that the God that they served was just this demanding uh, ogre uh, who wanted blind obedience uh, even when it wasn't deserved. And if it's, you st it stopped right there, that's what you might think, but we need to keep reading. And so I'll keep reading for you. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown, uh, fell down, thrown, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. You've heard of these, uh, these crazy young men playing chicken when they're uh, driving head at, at each other and threatening to have a head-on collision with each other and seeing who's going to pull away first. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't uh, veer from their course. And Nebuchadnezzar didn't veer from his course. And they ended up in that fiery furnace. But something happened. When you obey God, even if it hurts, when you obey God, something is going to happen. Because then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, asked his counselors, As did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They said, yes, we did. True, O king. And he answered lo I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fiery and they have no hurt and the, the form of the fourth is like unto the son of God do you know when God shows up God shows up when you're in the midst of your trial God shows up when you've done everything you can do and you can't do anything else and he has to come and, and, and show himself to you that's when you will have a revelation of God hallelujah 
Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fire furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth from the midst of the fire and the princes and governors and captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. The worst the devil can do to you will lose its power. It will be gutted of all of its strength. It will not happen the way the devil has intended for it to happen if you will stay true to God and say, God, I'm going to do this because it's being right and it's being committed to you. They saw those men, that those bodies had, the fire had no power on them, nor was there a hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire had passed on them. That was the only thing that was burned, it seems to me, were the ropes that had them bound because they were up walking around loose. They were cast inbound, but he looked down there and he saw them loose walking around. What was the problem? The problem was that whatever the devil binds you with has no power when God begins to work in your life. The worst thing that you think can happen to you, it might happen and you say, God, where are you? He's right in the midst of that. And if you allow him to, he will show you that he can turn the devil's worst act against you into a great victory all you need to do is look at the cross the cross was the culmination of the most evil plan concocted in the pits of hell the devil could do no greater thing he could wreak no greater havoc on the king of kings and the lord of lords than to capture him and take him to the cross and when those nails were pounded into his palms and his feet and the spear riven into his side he gloated and said I finally got it but did you know that the power of the cross is what saves our souls today the great victory of heaven came at the worst possible moment. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have preferred to have never gone in to that fiery furnace. But God's will was not to keep them from the fire, but to deliver them out of the fire. God's will was to reveal himself to them in the midst of of their greatest challenge. God shows up when you give your all. When God has his way, you will always see a greater miracle than one you ever had imagined would be. When you think God is letting you down, he's only setting you up. If you pick the time of the miracle, it would be premature. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have preferred to be maybe close enough just to feel a little bit of the heat of the fire, but that's all. But that miracle that they uh, received that day would have been, it would have been, it, their, their timing would have been off because God is always right on time for the best possible outcome. I believe that those three Hebrew uh, men had a, 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 a revelation of God.
a revelation of how they were to serve God, even without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, even without the understanding of the identity of God, even though they didn't know theologically all the things that we are able to understand and know today. They had little of that, but they did have a commitment to God that would not be phased by any of the circumstances. I wonder tonight where you are in your life's journey. I wonder where you are when you are faced with your trial. I've seen people who have been faced with terminal illness, with sickness, and their suffering was great. And while we prayed for their healing, it was not to be. But out of their sickness and their eventual death, God brought about a greater miracle, a greater revival, a greater blessing to their family, to their loved ones, and to many others besides that would never have been possible had they been raised up from their deathbed. You see, for example, there was a, a, a horrible situation that happened many, many years ago in Ethiopia when our missionaries went over there and our missionary got so depressed and discouraged that he actually took his own life. And we all shuddered at, at the... Uh, at the horror of that event and how could it be I don't know. I don't know all the ramifications of that particular event, but I do know that after it happened, there was a revival that built in that country, and it led to over a million souls being brought to the kingdom of God. God used, and he took advantage of one man's sacrifice and one man's commitment to him. That was an ultimate test. He took that, and he turned it into a a great revival uh, that engulfed an entire country. I'm telling you what God is doing in your life. You think he's letting you down. He is only putting you in a place where you can see a greater miracle than you ever believed was possible. Let's stand together. Praise God. Praise God. I've dealt with so many different problems that people have had in their lives in, as a pastor. And I've seen people faced with the loss of their marriage going to a divorce court. Always seems to be an innocent party and a party that was inflicting the, the emotional, sometimes physical harm. And you think, God, how could this be? How could this happen to a, to a man or to a woman who was such an outstanding uh, servant of God? How could this happen? But God, through that horrible situation, actually worked a greater miracle. Does not mean that he caused it to happen. Because of the circumstances that took place God did not abandon them but he used that to bring about a greater miracle than would have been possible otherwise and so I'm asking you tonight where are you 
because the first place the devil will work is in your mind. Before he ever works in a in a situation where there are uh, where there's legal work or where there is physical evidence, he will always begin his work in your mind. He will torment you with questions. He will bring nagging doubts to you. You will feel as though you are under. Uh, a mental uh, attack and that's the way he will begin his operation if you succumb to that and if you allow doubt to overwhelm you to the place where you lose your confidence in God then you will lose out on the miracle that he has in store for you so I'm urging you tonight whoever you are and whatever you're facing if you'll just hang on a homely bit of advice many years ago when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. And maybe that's what you, are, you need to do tonight. If you are in that kind of a situation, just hang on. God has not forgotten you. He has not abandoned you. He has not turned you over uh, to the devil. He has not uh, assigned you to some greater torment than you could ever bear. He will not put on you more than what you can bear. But he is able to deliver you. He will bring you out. Just continue to trust him and believe him. Let's raise our hands and worship him tonight and let God, let him apply his word to your life in Jesus' name.